Welcome to Me and Thee and Three, a Starsky and Hutch fan podcast. I'm Rachel. I'm Monica. I'm Jen. And our guest with us this week is Ilana. Hello. Uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> Would you like to say a, a few things about yourself? Yeah, I can. Um, I'm 47 years old. I am Dutch. I'm native from the Netherlands. So I am calling in from uh, Amsterdam. And uh, just really nice to be on your podcast. I've been listening since the first one. I've been a Starskin Hutch fan since I was about 12, 13 years old. And I found uh, zines and stuff a little later and basically never stopped. Well, I stopped a little bit somewhere in the middle there, but real life happened. But uh, yeah, I've been following <laughs> these uh, uh, Starsky Hutch fandom and Starsky Hutch and the actors around for all this time. Yeah, 30 years. I'm really excited to have you on. Same. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. I I had a question and then I lost it. So just give me a second. (laughs) (laughs) Monica had had an opening question. So I know you through a Starsky and Hutch Facebook group that I joined recently, which is such a lovely, active, warm, and welcoming fandom space, and you are the owner of the group, and I just wanted to ask you a bit about uh, what prompted you to make the group. Oh, well, yes. So, I uh, gaffiated, which is get away from it all, uh, accidentally, um, from fandom uh, between 2000 and 2010, and then when I came back to fandom, I was looking for, you know, where are my Starsky Nights people, where is my Slash uh, people, where where is it all? And things had changed quite a bit. So um, the f- mailing lists were still running, the Me and the mailing list, and the Zebra Theory mailing list that I think has gone by the wayside, which was a very large one, that was the Gen one. Uh, but the Me and the one is the Slash one that was still going, and uh, some of the live journal groups were still going. And they were nice, but dwindling. And it was felt very much, especially the, the email group, uh, feels like there's, there's who is there is there and has been there since oh, at least 15, 20 years. But uh, there's no new people coming in because email is not really the, peop- the way the new fans uh, communicate with each other. It's social media. So I looked around and LiveJournal is dwindling. So I said, hey, you know, I'm also in uh, Supernatural fandom, big Supernatural fan. And everything's happening on Facebook, Tumblr, uh, Twitter, everything. But Starsky Nights wasn't. So I said, basically to the people who were there, said, well, hey, let's start a Facebook group. And I got a lot of no. Um, people were fairly scared. There's an old guard and uh, guarding as well, you know, they're, they're used to, uh, let's just do this in our corner because that's how it was done in the 80s, 70s, 80s and 90s, um, especially slash fandom is, is just, we'll do it in our corner, we're not quite sure if it's legit to even write fanfic and then we're, we're even more worried about the slash aspect of things. So that whole sense of um, let's just keep it off the radar, we're still there. And I'm like, yeah, but everyone else is putting it big on the radar. You know, you've got, <laughs> you've got uh, Wincest out there for all the world mm-hmm. to see. you got uh, Real Person Slash in Lord of the Rings fandom started even back in 2000. There's a, an open archive on, on the internet. Uh, you know, I was a little shocked at the time. It's like, hey, well, yay, great. Now it's visible. Let's do this. So then I said, okay, if you guys don't want it, I'm going to, or I'm going to start this group and uh, we'll see who comes. So I started it one evening and then the next morning I had 30 people applying and the next day I had 60 people. So, uh, yeah, and I I also, I advertised within now the old uh, places that I was just naming the mailing lists and live journal and stuff, but I also advertised on Facebook itself, on the Starskin Hutch Gen or Gen-ish groups, they some of them don't say they're Gen, and they actually are. Um, so I checked if they if they were anti-slash or not, and if they were if if they were 
not anti slash <laughs> to be clear i would uh, put the the group on and um, found out that some people are actually anti slash when they say they're not um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know that happens and and so the the word got out a bit and i yeah we were quite quick i think within two weeks we were over 100 people um and yeah that's three years ago uh, so far it's it's growing and growing and growing and it's really lovely everyone's so nice and we've got a lot of old-time fans we've got a lot of new fans we've got people in there who are in their 50s and 60s but have never actually found the fandom but were fan all this time and that that's really lovely because they finally have an in because you, you needed to know people right you needed to know somebody who knew somebody who had a zine um, and yeah the, the world should be opener than that which is why I chose to make the Facebook group um, an, a closed group but not a secret group there are secret groups on Facebook for for instance for um, KS uh, for Kirk Spock fandom and I understand that choice but I think it's important to be visible to the world but I also think it's important to have a private arena to speak in so let's show them we're here is my th- my theory <laughs> but let's go all out on on being able to talk about everything and anything within the group and safely that's really fantastic (laughs) and it's super impressive like that you guys grew so fast with 300 members this week (laughs) oh my god congratulations yeah (laughs) i'd like to give a shout out as well to my uh trusty moderator nancy and she has been helping me for this last year and it's been really really helpful so yeah i uh Joining the group really changed my Starsky and Hutch fandom experience because about uh, 10, 12 years ago, I got into the show briefly and read some fic. um, And I think at the time I noted that there were some live journal groups that were semi-active. But then I kind of phased out of fandom, of that fandom. And when I came back just within the last couple of years, uh, I, I saw that the live journal groups were much less active, although a few of them still do get posts. Um, but I've kind of stopped using live journal for the most part. And there were some posts on Tumblr. There is a little bit of a Tumblr fandom for Starsky and Hutch. About four people. About four people. <laughs> um, and some fan art and, and uh, some headcanons. But it, it feels very young. Um, Tumblr fandom is uh, very young compared to what my live journal fandom experience was. And I felt kind of out of place, uh, despite being a fairly young Starsky and Hutch fan myself. Uh, because I think these are mostly teenagers and I am not a teenager. It makes a difference, yeah. um, And when I joined the Facebook group, because someone had posted about the Facebook group on Tumblr, uh, I was so surprised that there were multiple posts daily and everyone was commenting on posts and it was so active and so welcoming. And like right away when I joined, there was a post welcoming the new members of the day, and it was me and two other people, I think. And yeah. lots of people were chiming in to say hi to us. It was so warm and welcoming. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate the space you've created. Thank you. And that's my lovely Nancy, my moderator, who welcomes every single person. And she started doing that of her own volition even before she was moderator. And I'm like, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> and when I needed a moderator, I straight went to her. It's like, would you would you like to do this? Because I knew her heart was in it. And and that's mm-hmm. how you can tell somebody is out of their own volition is just you know making making the space lovely. That you know that's the right person for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's so friendly. Yeah, and we we do have in depth discussions. Um, we've had posts that had 200 comments on it, you know, it's in replies wow. to comments. Uh, it's, it's epic. It is. And it is really nice because when it started, uh, like I said, it took about two weeks to get to maybe 100 people. But after 100 people, you, you get that everyone's starting to sort of chime in. And especially um, in the beginning, I was um, sort of, um, yeah heading the cheerleading squad, but I don't have to do that now. Um, 
certainly after about a couple of months, everyone was like, but I want to talk about this. Can we do that? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You know, and I threw everything out there. I said, let's just do, and it's in the rules as well. uh, Let's just do everything that modern fandom is doing. Because if we don't drag ourselves into modernity, (laughs) then, uh, you know, it's going to all sort of die gray and gently go by the wayside. So I've opened up everything, you know. Some people are writing alternate universes, which is fairly new for Starsky Nights. And I've always been some, but a small, small amount. Um, but the amount of alternate universe that's being written in other fandoms is, is overwhelming. And the tropes that are using. So I liked your, your um, episode on tropes. <laughs> and then we got a coffee shop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, that. That was awesome. I think it's interesting that uh, Facebook is the space where this is happening because I guess I associate, I don't normally associate Facebook with fandom activity because everyone has their real names attached and I'm still of a generation of fandom that wouldn't put your real name on anything because I'm the generation of fandom that came into the internet at a time when everyone's parents were saying the internet is full of child molesters, never give your real name to anyone. And that kind of stuck. Um, Yes, this is a problem as well for the people who came into fandom in the 70s and 80s because if you were writing or uh, publishing they wouldn't put their own name on it, except some people did. And Mm -hmm. So it got confusing. So there, there are people who actually wrote in the eighties, seventies, and eighties, wrote slash stuff under their own name, thinking, "Oh, this is only going to go to uh, the people who buy these zines, and that's just a very select group who happen to know." Because everything went by by actual snail mail, right? So right. You were writing somebody in America or in England, and you sent you sent some money, and then you got the zine. And if you were contributing, you would, would be sending in your story. And then maybe uh, half a year later, a zine would arrive. But um, apart from being found out and, and having it around the house, uh, some people might not have been too scared um, that they might be found out for, for their jobs or for their family. But now, if you transpose that straight to, you go on fanlore, fanlore.org, mm-hmm. I believe, um, these people have those names on there and they, they may not want to be known uh, under those names. Uh, several of the uh, Starsky and Hutch uh, fan writers and publishers actually changed their names around the time that you're talking about. I'm guessing about the mid-90s when things sort of went to, oh, we're now going to be via email, we're now going to be on websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, social media didn't exist yet, but there were websites and there were archives and they needed to get a different name. So there's like a, a whole horde of them that I know their actual name and I know their uh, the name they're under now, uh, which is one of the rules I've got on the Facebook group is nobody shall divulge anybody's pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Um, they can, you know, somebody can choose to do that themselves, but never, never say to, uh, you know, on a public forum, uh, that person, oh, that's so-and-so. That's, that's not nice, it's not yours to say. Um, so people, you yeah, People have found different ways to become uh, in social media. I found that because LiveJournal was dwindling. If LiveJournal had actually made it, and and them being taken over by a Russian company didn't help at all because that meant meant another exodus of of people fleeing from LiveJournal. And that was after there was a scandal, which I wasn't around for because that's when I was not really in fandom, but there was a scandal in... uh, uh, Supernatural fandom, where the strike suddenly, yeah, the 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 purge that mm-hmm. happened for all the J two fa- uh, right. fan works, and that's when a whole lot of these people transitioned to just posting an archive of our own. Archive of our own was got a big boost at that point because these people just yanked all their fan fiction out of uh, Live Journal and put it on Archive of Our Own. Um, but that also meant that basically Live Journal for is not a safe place anymore. If if suddenly everything can be purged without your your say-so. I looked at what else is there. Twitter, well, that's basically uh, more of a bulletin board system than it is uh, social media. I consider it more of a newspaper than anything else. I shout (laughs) it out to the world and everyone says yay or nay. Uh, But that doesn't facilitate conversation. 
and that's what I was looking for. And a Tumblr, I don't quite understand Tumblr and how it works. Um, so I couldn't really get into Tumblr. I couldn't find out how to have discussions on Tumblr. No one so can. So that's why I went to, yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of a problem. So then, then it left um, Facebook. And I actually have a very um, large part of my fanish activity happens on Facebook, which is why I'm still on Facebook, even after other sorts of scandals and stuff. But... Yeah, I think Facebook is, is still a very good social media, especially because the groups can be set to private and, right. and yeah. Well, that's that's actually you you um, started saying essentially what I was going to say that I was I was thinking about the affordances of these different types of social media and realizing that Facebook really is the closest mimic to LiveJournal in the ability to facilitate conversations because comment threads are so clearly labeled and I think even in a mailing list it was sometimes hard to figure out who was responding to what and as you said Tumblr is almost impossible to have conversation on and Twitter is also weird with the threading and everything so it makes sense uh, in a way that I hadn't thought of before, that Facebook would be a place that would facilitate thriving fandom discussion. So that was a really good call on your part. Um, yeah, and the the two things that it has that has uh, it has privacy, which LiveJournal got us, mm -hmm. but uh, and uh, Twitter and Tumblr doesn't have privacy. You can't make a closed right. group and then you know be uh, have have a lively conversation going on within that group, and that's on Twitter. It's completely impossible. Everything's public. You so. can have a locked Twitter. I do, but it it means ah, that ah, you know more than I do. Then. <laughs> <laughs> you you can have a locked Twitter, but you you need to individually allow everyone to follow you. So that wouldn't facilitate like a group space, and right. it, it's almost impossible to have a group space on Twitter. So you still wind up with the same problem, even if you do have a locked account. Um, so it, it, it makes sense that to have a private group space, Facebook would be the place to do it. And I really wish Archive of Our Own had, I mean, I, I realized that it's staffed by volunteers and has huge um, traffic and, and everything. So I understand why it doesn't, but I wish there was more of a conversation space on AO3 because I think that is the space where most people are posting fic and it would be lovely if there could be conversation alongside the fic in an extensive way like there was with LiveJournal but I understand that AO3 just doesn't have the capacity to facilitate that yeah I'm, I'm with you on AO3 I would love it if you had a way to privately contact the the author instead of only commenting um, if the author has on on their info page some some link then you can use that but uh, yeah, it's it's um, it'd be nice to have a little bit more privacy and conversation to to be able to do there. But uh, again, yeah, I agree. It's it's up to them to make to make it possible, and they're doing a fantastic job up there, uh, um, just hosting this huge archive. Right. So. And yeah, that's why I was I trying to hedge because I know that the the people who run AO3 are doing the best that they possibly can. I'm oh, basically awesome. just fantasizing about an ideal <laughs> uh, social media, which is, I guess, live journal without the mm. like concerns of. Well, I guess that's true with, but it 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 never quite worked the same way. Yeah, but I I I, I can never. I I am so happy with Archive of Our Own because I come from the era where everything was difficult you had to send letters to people in america and send buy dollars i had to go to the, to the post office to buy dollars wow. <laughs> put them in an envelope with a card in it so that nobody could feel there was money in there and send it to america and then maybe half a year later i'd get a zine and it was like i just go online now and i there's three million uh fanfics and I just I click on my particular fandom and there's thousands and thousands and sometimes hundreds of thousands uh, fanfics and I can choose tropes and I can choose I, I love it tags I mean the whole tagging system is yeah. just I'm in mean, a kid in a candy store it's just awesome 
the searchability function you're is definitely spoiled <laughs> like i was thinking like oh i loved when vic was on lj but being able to search so much more easily by so many fine-grained uh search terms on ao3 is above and beyond what any other archive has offered I know. And I, I, I sing the praises of uh, Archive of Our Own and the tagging of it to people who are coming from <clears throat> an older uh, point of view, from a zine or, you know. So some people are literally, they will read anything and everything in that fandom. That's great. I just don't, don't read that fast. Um, I can't read thousands and thousands of stories. I wish I could. But, um, you know, if you if you tag your story properly, I, I have to say this quite often to uh, fans who are still from the from the zine era. It's like it's not um, so, some people talk about over tagging and silly tags. I, I think they're pointless, but um, but it's important to tag it because people will be looking for certain ideas and certain sensibilities and certain uh, combinations of things um, or sex acts, whatever. <laughs> and then they will find your story. If you mm -hmm. only put in Starskin Hatch are in the story, you know, I've got, I've got it's a slash and it's, it's th these are the characters. If that's all you've got in there, then um, nobody will find your story by searching any other way than actually knowing your name. And that's sad. Mm -hmm. So if you put in there, this is where they go to the beach, and this is where they uh, make love for the first time. It's a first-time story, or you know, and this is where Starsky has angst and all of that kind of thing. Then you will be found by more people because people are looking through tagging. Is pe how people are searching these days. Absolutely. I kind of want to ask a very um, reductive question. Are you a Starsky girl or a Hutch girl? Oh, I'm a Starsky girl. Yes! <laughs> Excellent. I'm the only Hutch girl here, and all the guests oh. we've had have been Starsky girls, too. I'm so too. sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of Hutch girls on the group. <laughs> I know, I know. Actually, I don't feel lonely. No, I mean, as we no. established, I'm a fake Starsky girl in that I'm really a Starsky and Hutch girl and refuse to choose. Oh, yeah. I love them both. <laughs> but Starsky is my, my... Yeah, what can you do? <laughs> um, can you tell me a bit about what it's like being a Starsky and Hutch fan in the Netherlands? Yeah, it's, it's quiet here. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's... I've got a little Dutch Starsky and Hutch group, and I think it's about... 12 of us on there, maybe three of us are actually active. But um, when uh, Paul Mark Glazer, David Saul, and Antonio Fargas were here in uh, Birmingham, uh, a bunch of us went, so we went, I think about five of us went there. And um, yeah, we just get together every once in a while. But it's a very small country as well, so it's very easy to get to England. It's about an hour by plane. And I've, I did that. I sent you guys a couple of pictures about meeting uh, the actors. Oh, I was cool. looking I, at those. Monica hasn't seen these yet because she was busy setting some stuff up. But, oh. Um, oh, that's a great picture. But what was, what was that experience like? Oh, my goodness. Have you guys met any of them? No. No. <laughs> oh, well, you should go to one of these things. They're, they're going to various uh, shows in America now. Um, I actually started with when David Soul came over to uh, the UK to do plays. I don't think, mm -hmm. I think the first one that I did was the Aspirin Papers. Um, I'd have to think, it's probably in the files I sent you, I think that was 1996. And he was on stage and I was like, oh my god, he's real! Um, <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's weird. It's 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 two D on television and you know tube television at that and no HD or anything. Um, and it, that was the weirdest thing. Is is like okay one he's three D. That's great. <laughs> he he actually exists. Um, I've often found that going to conventions and and meeting actors is that the first thing I want to just take a look at him because I just want to make sure he's real. And uh, and I, what I found, especially with David Saul, because I saw him the most, um, is that he is extremely charismatic in real life. It just oozes off of him. 
and it that's mm-hmm. I I think that's probably what got him in pretty much every role he ever got. Uh, of course, he's a great actor, but it's <laughs> like wow, <laughs> you just gobsmacked when when he's there. So it's 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 very unusual. Um, let me see. Then I met I met the three of them in 1999. Uh, they came to uh, Oxford Circus in. London and I heard it on a Monday and I booked my flight on the Tuesday I went on the Wednesday and they were were there on Thursday morning uh, 9 a.m. at Oxford Circus there was a virgin megastore there and which is now bust so that's not even uh, uh, a plug for anything but um, that was a a big uh, video store and the videotapes mm-hmm. had just come out, so everyone was there to buy videotapes. They had a Torino inside the building, they had a Torino in front of the building, so I immediately crouched down and said to my sister, take the picture! Because, you know, the crouching shot of, of Starsky in, in front of the hubcap of, of the, the Torino, I was like, I must have that picture! Um, and then we went in, I was first in line for that uh, signing session, and this was before the Comic Cons and all of that, so... This was like the only way, other than going to a, a theater show with David Soul in it, this was the only way to, to meet them. And I'd never met Paul McGlazer before, and I was so... Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and, and I walked up and I had my Starsky Hatch monthlies, you know, the, the UK monthlies, monthly magazines. And I'd selected a couple of really nice pictures with uh, the two of them on there and one with the three of them because uh, Antonio was there as well. And um, walked up and Antonio was really nice and chat, chat, chat. And then David and Paul were talking to each other and they weren't, and David just grabbed my, my monthly and put his name on it and then and I was like, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay to see he's not looking at me because I've seen him before, I had met him. At the at the theater at the uh, entrance for um, uh, what you call it the artist entrance. I had met him before and he was nice. So it's like I'm I'm good. I'm cool. I'm cool with this. So and then it was Paul. He shoved it to Paul and they kept talking to each other. They just literally did not care where they were and they were just <laughs> talking to each other. And they, there was this huge arena full of people with a lot of paparazzi. Uh, and I was standing in front of them. And uh, and Paul wasn't looking at me. I was like, "This is great. I love seeing them together." But really, I need to have him look look me in the eye. So he handed it to me, sort of like offhand, and was chatting with David. And I just didn't take it. And then he kind of went, "What what's happening?" And looked me in the eye, and it was like these blue blue eyes. And he smiled, and I'm like, "Thank you." <laughs> I'm I'm glad you got that look. (laughs) It was amazing, and I thought this is the only time I'll ever see uh, Paul, because he why would he come over to the UK? Why would he ever come over to this side of the Atlantic? And uh, I met David at many other um, uh, theater shows. I went to. Uh, Blood Brothers on the West End and I went to Death Trap which I sent you a picture of and that's where I got on uh, got a picture with him and he was just yeah he was rushed he was, he was really nice I got to interview him um, that was really special oh wow yeah I got to interview what him what did you interview him for? Um, for for a Dutch fan magazine Oh, okay. So I went there, um, this was in 2002, and my sister and I went over um, to Milton Keynes, which is somewhere in the middle of the middle of England. It's middle of nowhere. It's my, yeah, my English husband says it's the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and uh, so you only go there if David Sol is there, basically. <laughs> and he was there for, it was three or four performances. One of them was a matinee. So I went to the first performance, then in the evening, uh, talk to all the other actors because quite often David would not come out um, he would see people there would always be people with his um, his LPs 
Oh, mm-hmm. right. His albums. And <laughs> and for some reason, he you know, sometimes he didn't want to come out. It's just, you know, I'd met him before, so it's okay. I knew he was a bit grumpy, but that's, that's fine. And, um, and I'm always like... I would like him to come out, but only if he wants to, because <laughs> it's right. it's nicer if he has a good time. So we talk to all the other actors, because that's what my sister and I always do, and, and always have, you know, just have fun being in the moment. And uh, and one of these guys said, come tomorrow and uh, come in and I'll show you the set. So that was awesome, because this, this other actor took us on to the set and showed us there were some of David's pictures were on the set itself for Death Trap it was um, so it was like a person some personal items were on the set if you know the film Death Trap that's what um, what he did the the play of and um, this guy also said that the uh, every single night they had they were 30 seconds within 30 seconds the entire play ran so tight that they they could almost put a timer to it, which is quite wow. amazing. If it's like two hours, it's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So these people are super professionals. And he sh- and then he took us to his dressing room. David happened to walk past the dressing room, and he said, "Hey, come in. There's these two girls, and they really like you, and they're here to see you." And and that's how I got the picture. And then we just said we, you know we have this uh, fan uh, dutch fan magazine could we interview you and he's he looked very startled at okay um should i do this or what but then he said meet me after the matinee come to the stage door so we did thinking he may change his mind because he was a little not you know was obviously his mind was elsewhere he was, he was on doing his own thing which is great so uh, we went there thinking, if he comes, that's great. If he does not, that's great. But he did. He showed up and he started, he said, okay, come with me. And he started running. But, well, he's got very long legs and we're tiny. We're petite. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're sort of like jumping after him. And he just kept on walking until he got in the pub, settled down, sat down and we're there. And he ordered drinks for us, which we were really, really, really going to pay for. Uh, but he didn't let us. It was just really sweet, and then he he he, I think he put on a cigarette and he said, because in the nineties, oh well, two thousand two, it was still okay to 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 um, smoke in pubs, and he said, right, what would you want to know? And he was there one hundred percent for us. He talked for fifteen minutes. We had a, lo- a long list of questions, really, you know, anywhere from. Oh, what's your, uh, you know, what got you into acting? And because we, we, we wanted to touch on the Starsky and Hutch thing, but we wanted to interview him. So, you, you know, we knew he was um, trying to get away from Starsky and Hutch a little bit. We were trying to be sens- sensitive to that. Um, and he told us quite freely, he was really, really nice. Um, the photo I sent to where he's posing is from that interview. And you'll look it up. <laughs> I sent it to you in the email. And um, and then we were like, thank you, that was lovely. And we were going to pay, he didn't let us, and then we were going to leave. And he said, but wait, tell me about you. And he asked us to sit back down. Oh. And I was like, we were stunned. So we were like, oh, what would you like to know? And then he asked us about our lives. So it was really lovely. Yeah. That's really nice. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that's, that's a... a- a kind of fan experience that I, I think uh, a lot of people would dream of. Yeah. 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 Is I I I can't even. Uh, yeah. I can't even think of how it could be any better than that. And when this was 2002 that I was just telling you about, and in 2017, so last year in Birmingham, I brought him the pictures that I I sent to you a couple of collages of pictures, and one of them is the picture that we took mm-hmm. of him in the pub in Milton Keynes in 2002. And I gave it to him and I told him about the story and he was just laughing because he's like, I totally remember that interview, but I do not remember you. <laughs> and he said, I'm so sorry. And he had this big grin on his face and he said, I don't mind. I remember you. <laughs> you know, and he just, he, he, yeah, he enjoyed hearing about the various things that, um, that I'd attended over the years. Like in the 1999, there was the, the, the dead monkey that he did together with Antonio Fargas. I went to that one as well. And they had a concert after, so I had pictures of that because my sister took all these beautiful pictures. 
and I gave that to him as well and he was like this is you know and he, he, he um, it, it was for me it was really nice to um, yeah sort of give him mementos of my experiences with him uh, over the years for yeah almost 20 years wow that's really neat <laughs> Yes, uh, my husband is is saying I should also talk to you about Antonio Vargas. Cause yes, he's yes, a, I really want to hear about Antonio Vargas. Oh, he's so sweet. Um, I met him the first time, but it was actually in the um, Oxford um, uh, Oxford Circus. Uh, was the first time I actually met him, but I didn't speak to him. But he came to the Netherlands, which is uh, exceptional. One, the only one of the three that actually came to the Netherlands in two thousand five. Um, there was a convention that actually failed because they, they tried to put on a type of a mm -hmm. comic con and it went bust on Saturday and it was a Saturday-Sunday event so oh Antonio no. was one of the invited guests so there was literally loads of guests with the, almost the entire cast of Battlestar, the old Battlestar Galactica and um, we had Dirk Benedict and uh, Dwight Schultz and we had all of these media guests we had Gil Gerard from... Uh, uh, <laughs> um, oh gosh, uh, blanking on the name now. Buck Rogers, that and and uh, the woman who plays uh, Colonel Deering. We had all of these people and Antonio Fargas. So we we were there, and there were so few fans. Um, and we knew this this was there was something wrong with this convention. Um, we we talked to him for. Oh, easily 15 minutes. Let's, I sent you some pictures as well where I'm in costume and uh, it's just with Antonio. And he was lovely. I talked to him for easily 15, 20 minutes. Um, he was really chilled and relaxed. So when I was in Birmingham, this what I was talking about just now is 2005. So it was in, when I was in Birmingham last year, I went to the pub night and talked to him as well. Um, and showed him the pictures. I also showed him the pictures of the concert that he and David did in 1999 and, and gave, gave both David and, and Antonio the pictures. And he said um, that he really likes having pictures of what he's done because he has uh, his family and his son and he would like to put together um, mementos of all his experiences and this, this would be part of it. So. Um, yeah, he, he was he was really happy to have those those uh, photographs. And then I spent oh easily twenty minutes talking to him about life, the universe, and everything. He's very um, very philosophical. Uh, mm -hmm. I I said like you have to write a book because there's so <laughs> there's so much going on with that you know it's so intelligent and so uh, he has such vision. Um, yeah. So there you go. He's he's awesome and gorgeous, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, out of out of everyone, I think Antonio Fargas would be the one I'd want to meet most. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I'm. It's hard for me to meet celebrities. Like I'm a very shy person, so like whenever I go to cons where like I have the opportunity to like stand in line and get something signed, like I almost never do because it's like, Ugh. but. I might, I might get enough courage to do that for like an Antonio Fargas event. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, yeah. And I think if you if you walk up to him and you say I'm just scared, he will understand. That's. <laughs> well, I don't want to admit that. Well, there's that. <laughs> That's up to you. But you but wouldn't be the first. Genuinely, Antonio is the easiest to talk to because people aren't coming um, at him so much. Uh, it's it's mm -hmm. when I was at the pub night that was organized by Carolyn uh, Paul's assistant uh, in Birmingham. Uh, we had about four hours, and it was about thirty-five fans. They had space for a hundred fans, but only thirty-five signed up for whatever reason. And I, when I heard that, I spoke to her before the the pub night. And she said, oh, only about, you know, this many. I was like, yes, because I knew that it was four hours and so few fans, I would have time to talk to every single one of them. You know, I would, I would, there would be opportunity enough. But even though that was going on and I am totally not a wallflower, there were wallflowers there that I don't think got to talk to any of them, but they were happy to be there. But 
Um, I was actually my friend that was coming with me who I didn't know at all. I just put a shout out on, on my Dutch group saying, I'm going to this Birmingham thing. Who wants, who's, who wants to share a room in Birmingham? And she's like, I'm scared, I want to go. Um, so I, I took her along and we had this amazing time because she was this huge Paul Michael Glazer fan, but she didn't speak English really. Um, and so she had this book which she couldn't read and <laughs> that she wanted to sign. <laughs> and she was just so scared. So I just took her by the hand and on the pub night at one point, Paul sat down on the on the on the ta at a table sorry there's my my prepositions are not quite correct because I'm Dutch but uh, I sat down at a table and I happened to sit there already so he sat down practically next to me and I'm like yes I'm <laughs> you know I'm good I'm not going to move and my friend was hovering behind me and I just basically yanked her by the by the sleeve set her down right next to me because I knew that would be her only opportunity to talk to him because she was just hovering around behind him all night because she's too scared. And she did actually have questions. I didn't have questions for Paul because I just didn't. Uh, but she had, she had things she wanted to talk about. And um, so I just said, my friend wants to know the following. So that, that was great. And he just talked and talked and talked. It was, um, he talked about his whole career and about his current uh, artwork. And yeah, it's great. And the book that, the, how, how he got the book, uh, Crystallia, Crystallia? Mm -hmm. how he got it uh, published and um, the, the, the cover art and just endless. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> no, that's great. And no, this is yeah. It's really good that you were there for for um, this other person to help facilitate that. As, yeah. as someone who is is often the one facilitating other people talking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that is a nice one. Yeah. Was Starsky and Hutch dubbed or subtitled when it aired in the Netherlands? Okay, so the Netherlands um, subtitles. You've got basically the north-south divide in Europe. So when you go to, well, Germany isn't south, but Germany, anything east, Germany and east is, is all going to be dubbed anything so south of Belgium. <laughs> so France, Spain, Italy, it's all dubbed. But up in the north here, so the Netherlands, Denmark and the rest of the Scandinavian countries, we have subtitles. We're very small countries, so... Um, Traditionally, we just subtitle everything for anyone over, let's call it, seven to ten years old. So uh, we fortunately got them in their actual voices, but we also got German television and French television. So I've seen, I've seen some dubs. I've seen some dubs <laughs> of a lot of things. Yes, <laughs> German dubs are generally quite good. Oh, okay. Uh, did your whole family watch Starsky and Hutch? No. Um, my mother is a, is a Star Trek fan, and she was the one who knew about zines, and mm -hmm. um, she she's like, mm, I think because she had children, young young children when, very young children, when it was originally on, that basically Starsky and Hutch didn't, wasn't on her radar at all. So when it was repeated in the 1980s is when I was watching it and I was a young teenager and and she's like, oh, but it's a cop show and it's not interesting. But, you know, many years later when I showed her slash scenes and she was like, oh, but this isn't interesting. <laughs> so, because <laughs> she was into chaos um, or is. And um, yeah, so I got to her, I got her to watch Starskin Hutch and appreciate it. Um, but mostly I was watching it by myself. I got my best friend into it when I was a kid. Because she got a share, right? <laughs> you, have to, yeah, <laughs> you have to do it together. Uh, do you remember what some of your first zines that you got were? Yeah, my very first zine was Coda. By, by Terry White. Yeah. I, I was not able to appreciate that. Um, then later I got um, um, Code 7 Volume 3, which has mm -hmm. the amazing story by um, Suzanne Lovett, um, 
the very long one. Of course, this would be the moment I'm blanking on the name. <laughs> uh, a fine storm. Fine mm -hmm. storm. Oh yeah, I've read that. Yeah, that was that was totally that gripped me. That was just wow. Um, it follows Hutch's just completely from Hutch's point point of view, and it follows him throughout a portion of their uh, of the show and what happens and how he feels and what they do behind the scenes is like wow and i was like if i'm going to write that's what i'm that that's i want to be able to write like that and of course suzanne lovett is also an, an epic uh, artist so I'm like wow yeah she's my favorite i have many favorites but she's she's very special yeah yeah i i uh read a lot of her professional stuff mm. <laughs> or like look at her art and stuff so there was her professional Back, art yeah. is so gorgeous. Yeah, my my mother was into professionals, and and so was my sister. So, I yeah, I saw a lot of the and Men from Uncle and all of that that stuff. Uh, Perestroika, I think she also illustrated. If you've not seen Perestroika from the Men from Uncle fandom, you really should take a look on fan lore. I'll look that up. Yeah, this is all old stuff. This is all from the eighties and. Uh, yeah, it used to be you just get uh, you try to collect a stack of zines. So when I I let's call it when I hit the age of being old enough to admit to, um, I I said to myself I want to have every single Starskinet slash zine that there is, because that's how you actually could read the fanfic. It's the only mm -hmm. way. And since my you know my close relatives were into fandom but they weren't into my fandom i had to go out and get those dollars and and find out how to um, how to get the zines it was actually interesting because uh, uh in the uh, interview with dawn you 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 know you talked about the 2000s and upwards and my experience mm -hmm. is a lot from the 1980s 1990s and when i got to my first con which a fan fan run con, uh, which was in 1991, I believe, uh, Zircon, uh, also in Milton Keynes, because that's where they do things in the UK. And um, <laughs> and I I said to people, you know, do you, where do I get Starskin Hutch scenes? And they said, oh well, I got a stack over here. Um, you know, give me 25 pounds, and and we'll call it a, a deal. And because they were saying. The fandom is dying. Fandom was always dying. And it was very strange to me because it was like, but I just got here, you know? <laughs> and um, and I said, no, no, it's, I'm done. So here you go. So I got a whole stack of Starskin Hutch monthlies, which are just gorgeous, beautiful. As you know, I'm sure you've got uh, a stack yourself. And, and I got a stack of zines. I actually have a few zines that are made solely in the UK and uh, are, um, uh, Flamingo told me these are ex exceptionally rare. Um, nice. Yeah, and 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 rare does not mean that it's quality. It's just that it's it's if somebody but no, wants but yeah, so few you can't get a hold of it because you know exactly. there's so few copies. Exactly, some of them were handwritten. You wouldn't believe. Oh it's, wow! It's unbelievable. Colored. Yeah. Um, in have you have you guys seen pictures or seen the zine Bonaventure? and uh, Celebration. These are zines made by a woman called Tabby Davis. She made them in the 19... What, one was for the... Oh, I'm gonna mess this up, so I'm sure people online are going to uh, <laughs> correct me on this, but one was, I think, for the 15th anniversary and one was for the 20th anniversary of Starskin Hutch. And just, it was, it was to celebrate Starskin Hutch, so it was mostly Jen. And, uh, but she, she made she handcrafted the um, the covers. She colored pages that had artwork in it. She colored beautiful um, um, yeah, what you call that images, images uh, around the oh, sides, decorations around the sides of the of the um, of the poems. Frame and poems. yeah, she adorned it and she colored stuff in by pencil. So she, she had maybe a hundred scenes to do, so she did a hundred of those pages 
and it was just it was truly labor of love uh, these are the best scenes I've ever seen where it actually expresses the love of the fan um, uh, I, I sold mine uh, on the group uh, two years ago uh, one year ago and and the person who got it actually already had a set but she said she wanted it for for a friend which was really really lovely because um, mm -hmm. yeah these these are they will never be made again and I do hope that they're actually at the University of I think it's University of Iowa and the University of Texas uh, have yeah, libraries. I think Celebration is at, in Iowa I don't know about um, mm -hmm. Bonaventure but yeah but, oh that's so gorgeous that's beautifully made at that point that you could see the difference between the 80s and the 90s and of course the 70s as well then you still had mimeograph and stuff but in the 80s you had to go to a copy shop and you had sometimes to staple stuff together and in the 90s they actually could go in and copy shops could just produce these scenes and that made a huge difference um so there and the color and the quality of the paper the quality of the printing uh color covers were pretty much all over the 90s whereas in the 80s everything was black and white which then the illustrators and the artists had to cater to this and i'm not an artist at all and i didn't produce scenes so I, I can't tell you the absolute fine details of that but they had a lot of um back and forth be between okay this is what our printer can actually do so can you adjust your art in such and such a way you know uh, line art so some people said line art only just because they couldn't, uh, yeah, they didn't have print shops that, that, that could reproduce it. Mm -hmm. And then there's a collation and all of that. And then so later in the 90s and all the way into the early 2000s, people started to have copy shops in their own houses. It was, it was amazing. The, the, you know, rather than going to the copy shops and having it done there, it actually made financial sense to buy one of these huge replication machines and, and having it in their own homes. So these uh, fan publishers had these things in their garages and, and, and such things. Americans put these things in garages. The Dutch person doesn't understand that, but I know that Americans do that. <laughs> we don't have garages in that, in that way. <laughs> and certainly not basements. <laughs> it's far too soggy here for the bed to have basements. Well, we are approaching um, an hour. So, did to, to Monica and Jen, are there any other questions you'd like to ask, first of all? I mean, the, the thing is, I feel like we could easily go on for yeah. another hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Like, this, is, this has been wonderful. I have a question. Um, okay, I have a couple questions. Yay. First, uh, what's one of the... Okay, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. What's one of the biggest differences, positive or negative, between fandom in the 80s and 90s and today that you feel we haven't touched on yet? Um, yeah, there's, there's, we, we touched slightly, but not enough, I think, for new fans especially, is because the, uh, the visibility. Fans were pushed in a corner they, they were supposed to be. if you were a fan you were supposed to be a Star Trek fan and actually you were supposed to be a Star Wars fan because Star Wars if, if you divide it up into a pie fandom is basically Star Wars and then there's this tiny little slice of the pie that's Star Trek and there's an even tinier slice of the pie that is media and we used to be called media fans because we weren't sci-fi fans because sci-fi fans were book fans and if you weren't a book fan then you were a Star Wars fan so we go around in circles and basically nobody understood what a fan was and so that's that's a big difference nowadays it's you're, you can be a fan of of any TV show and you can be a fan of any uh, you know without being compartmentalized into the nerd camp although I'm quite happy to be you know screaming geek girl because <laughs> um, I think that's awesome, um, and it also helps. And, then, and on one hand, it helps to be to say, okay, I'm a geek girl, so that's a label, and then people understand that you're geek girl. But only if that actually to them means uh, what I think, what what I want it to mean. So if if it if they say, you know, this person is a Trekkie, and they mean it in a in a negative way, then of course I don't want to be a Trekkie. But you know, I'll say, no, I'm a Trekker. But I've you know, I'm, I'm good with being a Trekkie. Um, which I am as well. 
And um, so the visibility is really nice. What helps also is that now that the fans are visible, TV shows are catering for, the, for what they've seen. Ever since, I would say, Xena Warrior Princess, they've been pretty much aware of the slash, the subtext and all of that, and that we like it. Um, and they're starting to put it into everything. They're, they're incorporating it into shows, and I think it has had an effect on not just the shows themselves, but also the visibility, again, coming around to actual visibility of um, any sort of um, non-heteronormative uh, people. So that's, that's a huge difference. Well, my other question is, what is something off of your Starsky and Hutch fandom wish list? And this can be like a trope that you'd like to see or some other kind of thing or, you know, cons being in existence or whatever, whatever, whatever your heart desires. Oh, well, I, I'd, I'd love to go to um, ShareCon, but it's in, mm-hmm. um, oh, is it in Baltimore? Where is it exactly? Yes. Yeah. It's in Baltimore. Yeah. So it's a little far for you. It is. I did go to uh, ZebraCon in the in 1995 and in 1999. I went to ZebraCon in Chicago, and mm-hmm. uh, that was awesome. It wasn't Starsky Hutch only. It was, um, I would say, it's about 200 people, and it was slash media fans. So that was when we were calling ourselves media fans. And so any of the TV shows with the buddies and whether it was for science fiction or not, uh, and it was, that was, it was awesome. It was great. I got to meet Susan Lovett. I got to meet uh, Flamingo. I got to meet uh, the woman who wrote, uh, who currently writes under the name April Valentine. Um, it was just, uh, oh, who else? I got to meet a whole bunch of these people. Um, and oh, it's fantastic! It's so you know. So so I'd love to go to to ShareCon. <laughs> At the moment, it's not in the cards for me to go to America, and uh, that's fine. And I'm uh, what else? I'm I really got. I think the 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 best of the best from meeting the the actors. So I know they're coming again. They will be coming to to the UK again this year. And I will be going again, <laughs> but if they if they didn't, <laughs> then I'd be okay too, of course, because uh, uh, I did get to meet them and I got to talk to every single one of them. Um, Trope-wise, well, that's that's interesting. Uh, what would I like that there would be ri- written that hasn't been written yet? Um, I always want to write a crossover with uh, Starsky Hutch with with Supernatural. So I've got an idea for a story for that. So that'll be <laughs> that's all mine. I'm all for crossovers. Yeah, I so. love crossovers. <laughs> I did one crossover with Starskin Hutch and um, Boston Legal, which is on. Mm, that's on my to read list. Yeah, it's an archive of our own. <laughs> which was, um, uh, yeah, that was. It's also a lovely buddy show and. Um, yeah, I can't get away from the buddies. If if they're really, and I think that's that's for me for fandom is is I want to see buddies that are in a sort of an equal partnership. They're not the same people, obviously, but you know, there's there's an equality in the partnership, and that's what Starskin Hutch very much had. Um, so that's that's what I look for in in my fanish TV shows. Is there anything, any anywhere you are online that you'd like to plug? Would you like to plug your AO3 or just the Facebook group or whatever you'd like? Well, people can look me up uh, if they can type it all out under... Um, for Archive of Our Own, I write under... Uh, um, let's, say, let's pronounce it in American. It's Astrid. Astrid B. Kane. So Kane as in Kwai Chen Kane with an E at the end. And because um, I'm also... A, Kung Fu Legend Continues fan, and uh, that's that's how that's where I write my stories. But other than that, I I just love to plug the Facebook group. So it's the Starsky slash Hodge Romance Group slash Ship etc etc. Let me put Starsky and Hodge and Romance in there. You get us, yeah. So I just want 
all the fans to to come find us and come chat. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on with us. We have just a couple things to mention. Uh, thanks to Monica, we are now on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you're listening and would like to subscribe to us there, you're welcome to. Yeah, just search for me and the and three on uh, either the iTunes podcast store or Stitcher, and you should be able to find us. For full show notes, you can find us at meandtheand3.com. Uh, if you want to email us, we're at meandtheand3 at gmail.com. And if you want to tweet at us, despite Twitter's limitations, we are at the 3 Once again, thank you so much for joining us, Alana. It was great to have you on. Oh, thank you for having me. This was really nice. And thank you, listeners, for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye. 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 Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no I even forgot to, to say that he was in Jerry Springer and I went to see him for that.